On a normal day, you know, normal. Santa Cruz normal? Okay, let's not get hung up on definitions. On an on-COVID day, if you can remember those, the scene around the UC Santa Cruz campus can seem more like state park during non-peak season than thriving research university with nearly 20,000 enrolled undergraduate students. They are there, somewhere. In dorms or classrooms or dining halls, or off campus somewhere eating burritos. But you only really see throngs during class changes, when students pour off the hillsides to wait at bus stops or make the cross-country treks across our karst and marine terrace landscape to their next destination. So it can feel kind of quiet. Go up from the campus core into the 800 or so acres of forest, chaparral, and coastal prairie of upper campus, or down into the sprawling raptor and coyote-strewn grasslands, and sometimes you need the sounds of distant buses and traffic to remind you that you're at the end of a big town slash small city that swells with the university population. Not to say that people don't get out, because they do. At least 3,000 as part of Campus Natural Reserve field trips each year, and over 100 interns participating in research and stewardship, and plenty of folks just getting out on their own for a walk or bike or meadow study sesh, or plenty of other activities that their parents probably don't want to hear about. Okay, so now scratch the normal and put on the pandemic. With virtually no students left living on campus, no in-person classes, the ghost town in a forest vibe is heightened. It really does feel like it's constantly a weekend early morning out there. My job as the field trip leader guy, consequently, has veered hard to starboard, towards permits, reports, creation of remote learning materials, podcasts, me, and on-the-ground stewardship and endangered species monitoring. Could be a lot worse. A lot. But I miss the minor bit of hustle and bustle that happens up here on campus. And I wonder how all the students are doing. This has not been an easy time for anyone, and the shift to remote learning, figuring out housing and finances, on top of trying to keep yourself and your family healthy, all that can't be easy for these young adults. When I was planning our last episode, an interview with Chairman Lopez of the Amamutsan Tribal Band way back in May, I was wondering these same things about how our students were faring. The eight undergrads who worked on Sheltered Spring all shared their own versions of fatigue and stress with me. While planning to interview Chairman Lopez, I started thinking about how the students involved with the UC Santa Cruz's American Indian Resource Center, or AIRC, are doing, and how the center itself was weathering the pandemic. This episode, we talked to Dr. Rebecca Hernandez, director of the American Indian Resource Center, to find out just that. Along the way, we'll hear about what it's like to be a member of a group that comprises just 1% of the student population and how faculty, staff, and all of us can increase our sensitivity to what it means to be American Indian at UC Santa Cruz. And now, introducing Dr. Hernandez, who begins with an overview of the American Indian Resource Center. So my name is Rebecca Hernandez, and I am the director of the UCSC American Indian Resource Center at UC Santa Cruz. I've served in the position, this is the end of my sixth year now. I, um, the UCSC American Indian Resource Center serves first the American Indian students on campus in efforts to provide programming and um, events that center on the American Indian experience, both historical and contemporary. Um, It's my role um, to help retain American Indian students who um, are very low number at UCSC. We're about, we're almost 1% of the student population now. Um, So it it provides a space in which they can engage both uh, as 
paid interns. So it, it does uh, provide jobs for Native students and non-Native students too. I've had many non-Native interns um, who are interested in American Indians want to learn more. Um, and then um, to create community around what we do in our programs. And those things range from very large programs like our annual drum feast, which uh, brings in about 400 people to smaller, more intimate uh, events that are meant for uh, small student groups to gather and have conversations. So it's a, it's a really wonderful um, resource for every student on the campus. Dr. Hernandez brings her own personal experiences as an American Indian and Mexican American and her diverse educational background to her post as the American Indian Resource Center Director. I grew up in Los Angeles. I'm Mescalero in Warm Springs Apache, also Mexican-American, and I earned my doctorate in American Studies at the University of New Mexico, and I chose New Mexico uh, UNM because of the very large American Indian um, faculty and student body, um, and also because my tribe is located there. I felt a real connection to the place. I earned a master's at UCLA in American Indian Studies and also an MFA in design. So I have a really varied um, academic background, but I think for me, what's been the best part of this position is I've been able to bring all of that together in a way that helps support Native students. So I'm really glad to be, to be in the post. The students that I work with, again, were very low student population, but they're uh, also have varied experiences. Many of them come to UCSC from reservations, and some are like myself, second or third generation urban Indians. Um, this is much more common than not because more Native people live off reservations than on. Um, but most of the students I work with have a, um, you know, a, a connection to their communities or uh, go back throughout the year different times for different reasons. And um, some are just learning about their, um, you know, indigenous communities. So, so that's why I'm always excited when I get to meet a Native student and kind of engage with them and learn about their experience. So that's my story uh, on, on the campus anyway. And it's, it's been an interesting place to work, I will say. <laughs> I'm still I'm still learning a lot about UC Santa Cruz, even though it's my sixth year. It's a lot of changes since I've been here. I asked Dr. Hernandez if she could talk about the students that join her center and if she could characterize the American Indian student experience at UC Santa Cruz. As part of her response, she mentions ways for people to be better allies by educating themselves about American Indians on campus and increasing their sensitivity to issues that these students face. Um, well, I think it's really important to me to mention um, that uh, Native students are not quote-unquote identifiable like other um, populations on the campus might be. And so oftentimes people don't know that they're American Indian, by the way. You know, you can't necessarily know someone's ethnicity, right, by looking at them, period. But for American Indian students, that's, that's a, a particular particular um, experience. And so oftentimes um, the Native students feel isolated and lonely um, because there's so few of us and unless they know to connect with our center or meet other Native students on the campus, it can feel 
you know, I mean, people never talk about American Indians or when they do, it's oftentimes um, rooted in a history or from an anthropological perspective. And it's rarely, um, people are rarely talking about contemporary issues or the, the American Indian experience today, and especially for young people. So I really like the fact that our students, uh, I have a team of six students and this year and we'll have five next year. And they really serve as ambassadors for the community as well as the center. And by community, I mean American Indians. Uh, and I'm really proud of them. They do a great job. They go out and table at events and they talk about what we do and share about our resources. And again, you know, we are the American Indian Resource Center, but we're here for all students. And so it's been exciting to see how non-native students come and engage in our programs. We had a really successful film um, series last year. We had uh, the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women event last year and this year we did it online. Uh, it was a big challenge, but we had 118 people present for that event online and it was really beautiful to see um, what the students could do and where people, where people were that were watching, right? I think that's been really fun for us with the online programs. But um, the in-person programming, of course, is also really important. And we work with a lot of faculty to encourage students to attend our events. And, um, and so I do think that um, for the students that find their place the native students, I mean, that find their place and, you know, they might want to be an actor, an actress, and they're really involved in theater or they, you know, they're not necessarily um, studying American Indians because they're American Indian. That's the other thing that I try to explain to folks, right? They might be in the fine arts or in science or, um, you know, doing any number of different things as far as their major. And, um, and there's a lot of times when faculty and staff could be a lot more sensitive about the fact that there are native students on the campus and you know, um, do their best to remember that when they're engaging with students. So one of my interns, um, I don't know, she found it buried somewhere um, in, in YouTube, a presentation that I did for Siddle, the um, office on campus that helps educate TAs and faculty. And um, it's a video that we put together for how to engage with Native students. And, um, and so that's on our webpage. So if that's something that you, you just go to the resources page and you can watch it. It's short, maybe five minutes, but it talks about just things to keep in mind as you're um, leading groups of students, for example, on a tour of the natural resources on our campus, not making the assumption that there isn't a native student there, right? So being like just that mindfulness, moving through teaching and learning as a student with the fact that you could be sitting next to a native student and, um, you know, they're not necessarily going to feel obligated to be that voice. So they're not going to self-identify like, oh, by the way, I'm a Native student, right? Because that creates a whole nother layer of anxiety for them. So, um, so a lot of times I say to folks, the more you can educate yourself as a non-Native, the, you know, we're so appreciative of you being our voice in spaces and saying, well, you know, you just said there are no more Native speakers of the Navajo language. However, I know from right in event I attended or, you know, going to the American Indian Resource Center website that that's not the case. That there are many people who still speak their, you know, um, 
language or they participate, um, you know, in the very rich cultural um, life of their tribe. And, um, and these are things that I'm just sharing because they're said a lot. You know, there are no native students here. There are no more American Indian students. I mean, this is like literally said by <laughs> faculty and staff that sort of astounding, but true. Um, and um, yeah, and the diversity of tribes, I always like to take a moment to share that if there's one thing I can help people understand, I feel like I've done my job and that's that, you know, every tribe takes great pride in who they are in their community. And even though we're under the umbrella of American Indian, somebody from Hoopa Valley is very different from a Northern Cheyenne, from, you know, a Mescalero Apache, um, even our neighboring tribes are really different from us, and we have completely different languages, different cultural practices, our understanding of the world, um, of our place in it, is completely different. You know, someone Mohawk from northern New York is going to have a very different cultural understanding of themselves than me, because I'm from, right, I'm, I'm, I'm from a desert, high desert area, so in, in a very far away, right? Or even coastal tribes, the tribes that are on the two coasts, completely different. And that's why I keep trying to help people, like whenever I lecture, I always ask who's from, who grew up outside of California? And they raise their hand and I say, okay, so was it like really different from where you grew up? And they're all kind of shaking their head, right? And I say, okay, so that's like, bringing a bunch of Indians together. We understand ourselves as American Indian, but we, we have very, you know, varied histories. Different people colonized us, right? In my case, it would be the Spanish, but not everyone was colonized by the Spanish, the French, the English, right? Um, came into the country, the Portuguese. So, so these, these contact stories or you know this narrative that we all had one universal colonial experience couldn't be further from the truth and that's why we need to always i always like to remind students you know i mean people were europeans were in the american southwest 400 years prior to the american period so people are astounded for example that the tribes in new mexico are catholic but it's like well, right, <laughs> you know, folks were around for a while before the Americans came in, right? So it's this idea that, that tribes were shaped by colonization only during the American period, only this past 200 plus years. Not the case, right? So, so these are things that are just bare bones basics, but important for people to appreciate about us. And I think it makes for a lot better, stronger allyship. You know, when they just know those two things, it's really helpful. I then asked Dr. Hernandez how the pandemic has affected the American Indian Resource Center and its students. I would say that, you know, COVID, of course, has affected everyone. And, um, and our campus community has, you know, really been, right? Like, there's just been such an enormous shift so quickly. I think the American Indian Resource Center, and really I, I think it's fair to speak for all the resource centers, we're all doing our best to, um, because we all serve specific student 
populations, but together we represent a huge number of the campus population, right? So together we always work, and I'm very grateful to have colleagues that work very closely together to ensure that we're doing all that we can to support students while they're away. Um, I think what's happening with the Native students is very similar to what's happening to all students, that when there are students that are in rural places, um, reservations being one, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a reservation. It can just be out away, right, from um, large population areas are really struggling with things like the internet and getting access to um, to Wi-Fi so they can attend class and participate in things like programs that have a lot of meaning and help them feel connected. Um, that's certainly been the case for a couple of the students on my team. And, you know, in, I think for us as Native people who work, and, and by us meaning the Native students and myself and Jemzy, our program coordinator, I always say to people, you know, every day we wake up, we can't forget we're Indians, you know, we can't forget what's uh, happening in our communities because we're not there. It's, um, it's very real for us seeing the disparities between the services that are provided to, um, you know, to some communities in the United States and not others. And that's inclusive of anyone who's poor, anyone who's isolated from large populous areas. And, um, you know, we have a lot of concern for our relatives that are home and certainly what's gonna be happening as we move forward because there's so much confusion about what is gonna happen. I mean, literally every day there's, there's different information. And I would say that like all students on the campus, the American Indian students are wondering what's gonna happen in the fall quarter. Are we gonna come back to school? Are we coming in the winter? Are we coming at all? You know, I mean, these are questions that I think every, even certainly staff, myself included, I wish I could answer, but no one can right now. Um, even our leadership, right, um, isn't answering because I think there's just too many variables. There's so much confusion. I can't even imagine, Alex, honestly. I, I've told my students I'm so impressed with how well they've done in this transition because I can pretty much tell you if it had happened when I was a student, I, I don't know that I could have done anything remotely. I, I just don't, you know, I really struggle with this type of stuff. I've learned to appreciate Zoom and other things that I get to do, a lot of webinars and seminars online, but uh, I can't imagine sitting in a very complicated, you know, in a class of complicated content, you know, and listening to a professor lecture and not having that interaction with people would be such a challenge so I'm really proud of them all students on our campus I just I am proud of them and I really have tremendous appreciation for their fortitude because it isn't easy it would be easy to just say you know what I'm gonna wait not enroll and just wait and see what happens and they moved along they moved right along you can get in touch with the American Indian Resource Center now and post-pandemic, because there will be a post-pandemic, right? We do have a YouTube channel, the American Indian Resource Center, and we've posted our previous three events that we did online um, that include the MMIWG event, 
our uh, Indigenerate event where we hosted um, Francis, uh, Lee Francis, who um, is, is Indigenerate and he writes extensively about American Indians in comic books and, um, and he, it was a great talk and popular culture. And then um, our Afro-Native event, which is Red and Black on Turtle Island, fantastic event. So yeah, we've been really fortunate to have that. So if your students are interested, they can go back and watch those on YouTube. Big thank you to Dr. Hernandez for speaking with us here at Sheltered Spring. I look forward to the day when the American Indian Resource Center students and all the students can get back on campus, back to connecting with each other and their professors and mentors in person. I look forward to seeing that interclass bustle, the classes out in the field, the small groups of students exploring this wild place, and things getting back to that Santa Cruz version of normal. In due time, I suppose. In the meantime, mask up, stay safe out there, and practice smiling with your eyes. If you haven't yet, head back to episode 12 and listen to Chairman Lopez of the Amamutsin Tribal Band to learn about the Santa Cruz area's American Indian people, past and present. I'm Alex, and thanks for listening to another episode of Sheltered Spring.